the pastor, she called me up to the front and she says, I don't know why I'm going to tell you this, but God is telling me to tell you that you need to choose life or death today. I got back to my seat and I said, Lord, I don't know if you mean a physical death or a spiritual death, but I don't want to find out. Help me get out of this relationship. I was at the house. He came home, busted the door open, and just screaming and hollering and arguing with me from the moment that he opened the door. I sit there, and right when I'm about to tell him something, I feel a hand come over my mouth and just... It was almost like this piece of tape was on my mouth. I couldn't speak. He tells me, he says, well, since you don't want to say anything, well, then I'm going to pack my stuff. I'm going to call my family and they're going to come and pick me up. And inside of me, I felt the spirit of God tell me, this is the door. This is the chance that you were asking me for. This is the end. I was born in Puerto Rico. And, um, and from the day that I left the hospital, I literally was in my grandparents' car, uh, never lived a day um, with my with my mom or my my biological father. Wow. I always lived with my grandparents and my two uncles. That being raised with them, they were like my brothers growing up. So I never had that, you know, mom and dad. Right? It was mom and dad was grandma and grandpa, um, and my uncles were my brother brothers, and so. Growing up with them from the day that I left the hospital, it was church every day. And so growing up the way that I did um, was a denomination that was very much religious in a legalistic way. Very much um, girls can't wear pants, girls can't cut their hair, um, you know, we we couldn't do pretty much anything, right? Because everything was pretty much a sin at that point. Couldn't go to the movie theaters. I mean all that stuff, right? Um, and so uh, growing up that way, at a certain point, it just becomes a part of you, right? Mm -hmm. You don't question it. You get to a certain age where you do start to question because you do start to see certain things going on and you're like, why? But why? Um, when I would ask why, I would just get, because that's what that's what we say and that's what God says and that's it. You know, it was never, uh, well, let's talk about what the word says, why we say what we say. And so a little bit of the fact with that, along with um, not being raised by my mother, you know, that definitely caused a lot of questioning and a lot of I would say, I don't know, say trauma, but definitely I would question myself a lot. Mm -hmm. And so um, it got to the point where, you know, I started to rebel. I got to that age where I started rebelling, where I know that if even if I told a little lie and I could get away with it, I was going to do it. And, you know, being raised by, you know, my grandparents, you know, also for me was just like, but why me? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but I grew up in a God fearing home. And, and to this day, back then I didn't uh, appreciate it, but I appreciate it now um, because I had the greatest example of a praying woman, which was my grandmother that mm -hmm. raised me. I mean, this woman prayed day and night, you know, at all at all hours. And, you know, I saw that. It's not that she told me about it. I saw it. Mm -hmm. And that's something that just impacted my life and I carry it to, to this day. Yeah, And so... Growing up that way, again, started going into my rebellious years. Nobody wanted to give me a straight answer. For me, I wasn't getting a straight answer. It wasn't, let's sit down and talk about this is what the Bible says. And I just, I left the church and I left God. Hmm. 
And so I, um, you know, just started doing me. I got my own apartment. Um, at the age of 21, I became a mom. Um, and, and Mandy, really quick before you continue on, what was your grandma's reaction? Because she's praying for you, you know, and, and she took you in as a yeah. daughter. What was her reaction as you stepped away from the church, from God? She wasn't very happy at all whatsoever. She's definitely that that mom that she would wait up for me when I would leave and escape. And I would tell her, oh, I'm going to my friend's house. And we were going to a house party or we were going to a club or uh, we were out smoking and drinking. And she knew she knew I was up to no good. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so there were nights that she she would wait up for me. And in her own way. Uh, she would correct me, but it was more of, what are you doing and why? And let me smell your breath. (laughs) You know, uh, she was not very happy about it, but she would always, always tell me, like, you may not want to answer me, but I'm, I'm going to pray. And eventually you're going to have to answer to God. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. Tell us about those. So you leave home. Yep. I got my own apartment. Get pregnant pregnant in my own apartment. I'm living with my daughter's father. Um, nobody knew that I had a boyfriend. So, you know, all of this came up all at one time. My family found out that I was, you know, living with my boyfriend and then I'm pregnant. Like, what am I doing? You know, my grandmother was definitely um, upset at the fact of how she found out because she had to find out through somebody else yeah. and not through me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really definitely hurt her like very much not the pregnancy but the fact that she heard through somebody else and that i didn't have uh that that thing to come to her right. you know and and tell her myself yeah and so from there you know i'm pregnant at 21 and then a year and a half later um after giving birth to my daughter that same year in 2005 i become a single mom and during that time, I'm in culinary school, just doing what I got to do to survive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working, I'm going to school. At that time, my grandmother was still alive, so she would watch my daughter for me. Um, so it was waking up at six, getting my daughter ready, taking her to my grandmother, going to school. After school, going to work, wouldn't come home till 10, 11 o'clock at night, pick her up, bathe my daughter, and then start it all over again the next day. And then in that transition, of course, I'm away from God. I'm not going to church. At that point, because I was single mom, I wasn't even thinking about it because I was okay. For me and my thoughts, I I, I thought I was okay Mm. until I met my ex-husband. And that's when everything went south. (laughs) Tell us about that. Uh, I met him at a birthday party. It was actually my birthday party. Um, And he was two years younger than me. Um, he had a, a Christian family, has a Christian family, but of course he wasn't in, in church either. He wasn't serving God at that time. Um, met him through my friend. They all came to my birthday party. And then one thing led to another and we're just talking, getting to know each other. He approached me. I really wasn't looking for anybody because I was okay where I was at. You know, the way that he approached me was... In a nice way, very gentleman-like at the beginning. Um, and I fell in love with that. I thought that that's what I, I needed. You know, the words that he gave me and the stories that he gave me was was what I thought was going to complete my story and complete my daughter's story. I grew up without my dad. I didn't want my daughter to grow up 
that same way. I wanted her to have the family I didn't have. So I thought that he seemed okay. He seemed nice. He, he understood where I was coming from. Started off very nice. Um, started off with, um, you know, he worked and, you know, it seemed good. It started off good. And then when we decided to move in together, um, that we were going to take it to the next step, that's when I started seeing a whole other side of him that I was not aware of. That's when the drugs started coming into my house. I knew he smoked, you know. Um, he smoked cigarettes. He smoked weed. I knew all of that. And for me, I'm not doing it. That's what he does. I'm okay. Um, but eventually, without God in your in your life, like eventually you're just opening up. Just the, the devil just needs just an inch, and eventually that door opens up wide. Uh, next thing I knew, I was also smoking. Um, drinking, there was partying going on in my house. My house was now the place where everybody goes for um, to buy drugs. To all the the big packs of of any type of drug you can imagine was at my house, and from there we're packaging it, we're putting it together, and it's being dealt out of my house. And at this time, my daughter was probably two and a half, three years old, um, and so. You know, eventually it got to the point where it just got out of control. Things were going on in the apartment where police got called and I lose my apartment. Mm. And so um, we ended up having to stay with his family for a while until um, we got our own place again. He was working. Um, and at that point, I had stopped working. Um, so I was with my daughter at the house. Um, and it only lasted for a little while. I had to find another place because in order for us to get our own place and be able to leave his family's house, you know, we, I had to find a job. We did, and that's when the domestic violence, the physical abuse started. And what they say about domestic violence is true. It will always start with a small push or a small shove. Mm. And for me, it's like, nah, that that can't be happening, not to me. Like, I'm not going to allow this to happen. But at that time, you know, being so involved with someone and not having Christ in your life, you know, during that time, even when I was seeing the things that I saw, because I, I saw, I saw it coming. And so I had the opportunity to leave. But to me, it was just like, no, I, I, I can't do that. Then I'm going to break up another family. Hmm. It was almost like the, the enemy was using that against me you know there would be thoughts in my in my mind like if you leave you're going to lose your daughter where are you going to go you can't afford to live by yourself and so that 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 thought kept me trapped kept me there in a relationship that i knew from the beginning i should have never i should have never started i should have never allowed to even get to that point where we did of moving in together mm. And so, again, it started with a push, a shove. Then we go from pushing and shoving, now you're yelling at me. Now we're going into not only, you know, physical abuse, but now we're going into mental abuse, emotional abuse, um, sexual abuse. And my daughter is three, going on four, and she's just getting older. And the older she gets, the worse the abuse gets as well. It would get to the point where I would go to work with bruises on me. Um, and they would see it. They would notice it at work and they would try to ask me and I'm like, no, it's okay. Like, there's nothing. That's nothing. 
Mm. Um, I had a best friend at the time and, and she would see it and she was like the only one person that I would even give a little bit of what was going on to because even even then I didn't want to tell everything because I, I, I didn't want to be judged. I, I didn't want for my daughter to be taken away. I mean, the enemy throws so much when you're going through a situation like that. And that's exactly what was, what was going on with me. That's what kept me there is I didn't want to lose my daughter. And in reality, it would have been the opposite. I would have lost my daughter if if it got out or if the the police were, were called. Um, and so, you know, it just kept going and increasingly worse, increasingly worse and more drugs. And so it's now it's abuse. Now it's drugs and more alcohol and more people coming in and out of my house, out of my apartment. It got to a point where we, I told them, I'm like, I, I can't take this anymore. Like, do you not see what you're doing to me? Right. Um, we even tried um, seeking counsel with his family's church and they would try to counsel. They would try to sit and, you know, speak on it and um, he would listen, right? But by the time we got home, it was just the same thing over and over again. So now I'm in another cycle of going to work, coming home to cook, to clean, to attend to him, to attend to my daughter and, and be abused. That was my life for almost six years. And nobody knew. I was afraid of what they would think of me. I was afraid of, of what they would think about him because I wanted everybody to, to accept him. I wanted everybody to, to like him. So I would lie. I would say, everything's fine. We're doing good. You know, um, money's coming in, but it's not money that's that's good money it's drug money i was living my life where um on a constant basis i'm having to look over my shoulder on a constant basis i'm like if there's a cop behind me i have to worry if there's drugs inside the car and my daughter sitting in the back seat um the abuse got to the point where now i couldn't even say not a word i couldn't even ask a question um i would get food thrown hot food thrown in my face uh I would get dragged out of the car. In the middle of the road, he would just stop the car with cars behind us, my daughter in the back seat, and now you're dragging me out the front seat, dragging me along the cement in front of everybody because I questioned you. And from there, it just got progressively worse. Now we're going into sexual abuse, and it's just like, why? Like why? Then, then it, 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 you know, it had to get to that point for me to start questioning myself and questioning God. And it should, have, it should have never been, you know. Um, there was people knocking on our doors 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning. You know, I lived in a small little mobile home. And there were people come at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning knocking on the door for drugs. Meanwhile, my daughter's room is right there in the front by by that door. And I'm in the back. And it's just like, you know, some anything could have happened, you know. And unfortunately, my daughter was right there at the front of it. It started getting to a point where now he's losing jobs because he's lying on, on the applications, he's not passing any drug tests, and now the burden's more on me of having to work one, two jobs in order to maintain the home and maintain my child. And this whole time, I'm losing out on time with my daughter. 
And the devil definitely was pressing that and using that against me so hard. I just, I, it just got to the point where I'm starting to hate myself. I'm depressed at this point. Um, I'm dealing with anxiety. I'm dealing with, with even thoughts of self-harm. And um, I, just, I just couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take it anymore. So my mom had told me about a church. My biological mom had told me about a church that she was visiting. Um, at this point, my grandmother had died. My daughter was about two and a half years old when my grandmother died. And I was with my ex-husband at that time. And when my grandmother died, that was like the biggest hit of my entire life. Because all this woman would do is pray for me so that I can become that woman that she knew I was meant to be. And so when she died, Unfortunately, I wasn't serving God, you know? I wasn't in church, I wasn't serving God, and I was going through all this hell that I was going through. And she didn't know, I didn't want to tell her. I didn't want, she started getting sick, I didn't want her to know what I was suffering and going through. So she died and that was just like a massive blow to the whole family, because for us, she was the, the head of the whole family, you know? And so my mom had found a church, my biological mom, had found a church that she was visiting. And, you know, I had told her that I was looking for a church if she knew and, you know, where she was visiting at. It was a Spanish church. That's what I grew up in, you know? I grew up in Spanish church, you know? And that was, that's my jam, you know? <laughs> I grew up uh, with musicians. My uncles are musicians and grew up, they had a band. So like, my thing was worship. Even, you know, it was crazy. Like, even when I was going through like, those hardest moments, I rem as I'm re I'm remembering now, like I would I would worship, I would sing, and 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 it would get me out of out of whatever it is that I was feeling at that moment, you know. And so she told me about the church she was going to, and I decided to visit, and um, I would go every once in a while. I didn't want to, like, dedicate myself because of what I was going through. Like, I can't sit here and say, I'm going to be here every Sunday. I want to become a member because I knew the situation that I was going through at home. So I would go once, once in a while and, you know, I would listen and I would hear the, the worship every time I went. I was like, man, just like, I missed this, you know? And eventually it just started getting to the point where I just started visiting more often. And I started getting a close relationship with the, with the pastor, the pastor lady. But I was still going home to suffer domestic violence, right? Especially when I went to church. It was like the worst, um, the worst arguments, the worst hurts, the worst everything whenever I would choose to go to church. When I got home, it was, it was bad. It was bad. And so that was another reason why that it was holding me back, right, of dedicating myself because I'm like, Lord, here I am, like, trying, you know? And every time I come home, I'm coming home to an argument. I'm coming home to a battle. I don't need my daughter to continue to see this. Like, mm. it's, it's bad enough, right, as it is right now. So I, I kept going, like I said, every once in a while, and then Sooner than later, um, the pastor's wife, the, the pastora, the pastor lady, um, started getting closer, asking me questions, getting to know me. But still, even then, I didn't tell her. 
I didn't tell nobody in that church what I was going through. Um, because the way that I was raised was like, you, you don't, you don't tell nobody your business, right? Like, it's, it's like this thing, like what happens in the house stays in the house. It's like this thing, like growing up in the Hispanic household. I don't know if it's everybody, right? But at least for me, it's like everything that happens here stays here. Like, you don't seek counseling. You don't seek help. Like, God will take care of it. Whatever you do, whatever happens here stays here. And for the longest time, you know, the church was very much not speaking on um, divorce or domestic violence. There, there wasn't that help inside the church. I don't know if because it, it was a small church. Um, I don't know because it was a Hispanic church and you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know why, but for, for a very long time, you know, um, you couldn't speak about that. It was almost like a taboo subject. We don't speak about divorce. We don't speak about none of that. Hmm. And so that held me back a lot also from, from opening up. And so eventually I just kept going and I pushed through the arguments. I didn't care. I got to a point where I just didn't care about the arguments. I didn't care what he did to me. I needed to go to church and I needed for my daughter to go to church too because I I just, growing up in church, I loved it and I wanted that for her. Yeah. Uh, Mandy, really quick, as you were going to church, what were you experiencing? Was this just, okay, well, I just want to go to church and because my daughter, or was it, uh, or were you encountering the presence of God in that church? Like what, what was happening as you kept going? I mean, I was definitely experiencing, I was encountering God. Definitely. Definitely. I was encountering God. I was encountering his love, his, his, his presence, you know, um, I would, you know, I would get spoken to prophetically, you know, people that didn't even know me would tell me you're, you're going to be worshiping, like you're going to be up here singing and, and you're going to be, um, speaking to, to many women. God is going to use you to speak to women. And, and I mean, so many things that were being said, but it wasn't until one Bible, ser one, um, Sunday service, um, I'm going Okay, I'm going now. I'm starting to go every Sunday now. Um, they're 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 having me on the worship team, and I'm singing and I'm helping in the church. Like now, I'm more dedicated, and now I'm more like God. I don't care what happens. Like I'm here for it. Right? You you'll make a way. And every Sunday that I would go, I would tell I would tell God like, please like tell somebody what I'm going through at home. I don't care if it embarrasses me. I don't care if they judge me or put me in a corner. But please, I, I, I need you to tell somebody because I can't. Every Sunday I would go, I would ask God the same thing. Like, expose me. <laughs> you know, expose me. Tell them what's going on in my household because I'm, I'm growing tired. But I would stay because it was instilled in us that no matter what we go through, there's nothing impossible for God. Right. As long as you pray, God can change anything. God can do anything. And I was like, okay, God, so I'm 100% dedicated to you. I'm 100% going to church. Like, I'm here for you. I'm here for it. Like, now I need you to change him. That was my mentality. And so here we are. And my daughter is like almost six years old and nothing is changing. Everything is still the same. So I remember one Sunday service. And the power of God, I mean, 
for me, looking back at it now, God told on me because I remember that Sunday, the pastor, she called me up to the front and she says, I don't know why I'm going to tell you this, but God is telling me to tell you that you need to choose life or death today. And I said, life or death? I got back to my seat and I said, Lord, I don't know if you mean a physical death or a spiritual death, but I don't want to find out. I said, help me. If it's okay with you, help me get out of this relationship, if this is okay. And that was about a month before we finally um, we separated and divorced. And I remember this one, one time, probably two weeks before the end, <laughs> um, I got in the car with this older couple, and it was an older couple that they have been in church forever. Um, he was a Bible scholar. Like I'm like, I'm in the car with the right people. Maybe if I tell them something just a little bit, they can guide me, help me out of that. And so I, I shared just a little bit about what was going on. And I did not get back what I thought I was going to get back in response. Instead, the gentleman told me that because I was married, and because I'm a woman and I'm a wife, that is my duty to remain and it's my job to stay suffering what I was suffering until God changed it. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, wow, God, like, I, I don't think that you would say something like that. But, and then I just stood quiet, never said anything again and just kept going on to church. Then he started getting like real, even more upset with the fact that now I'm staying late. Now we're at church, not only on Sundays, but during the week. But now there's things going on on Saturdays where, you know, we have like those special uh, services or that we go to another church and we minister to another church. And he's just, just making it worse. And remember, I think it was a Friday or a Saturday. I don't remember exactly. I was at the house. Thankfully, my daughter wasn't there. He came home, I mean, busted the door open and just screaming and hollering and arguing with me from the moment that he opened the door. And I'm sitting on the couch and I'm like, here we go. I'm like, Lord. And he's just... I mean, every name in the book, just calling me out my name, just just everything that you can imagine. And I sit there, and right when I'm about to tell him something, I feel a hand come over my mouth and just... And it was almost like this piece of tape was on my mouth. I couldn't speak. And here I am, I'm trying to defend myself. I'm trying to tell him, like, why are you coming at me? Like, what is wrong with you? And I couldn't say a word. Not a word. I, I promise you, it was a piece of tape or somebody's hand that was on my mouth. I would try to move my lips and my lips were stuck. I couldn't open my mouth. And he's going on and on and on, yelling and arguing and saying how, how much everything was my fault. But yet I was just at home. You're out doing whatever you want. Here you are cheating on me, doing drugs behind my back, thinking that I, I don't know, that I can't tell. And here I am trying to defend myself, and I can't. 
And I'm like, and I'm sitting inside of myself like, no, like he, no, like I'm not going to take it anymore. Like for me, this was the last straw and I want to defend myself. I want to tell him that's it. And I can't. He goes and he's like, well, you know what? He tells me, he says, well, since you don't want to say anything and you think that this is where it's at, well, then I'm going to pack my stuff. I'm going to call my family and they're going to come and pick me up. And inside of me, I felt the spirit of God tell me, this, this is the door. This is the chance that you were asking me for. This is the time. This is the end. But inside of me, <laughs> inside of me, even though I knew it was the end, I was struggling. I didn't want him to go. Even though this is exactly what I was wanting, this is exactly what I asked God for, for the freedom and liberty to be able to serve him so that me and my daughter could be at peace. Even so still, I was struggling mentally. Like, I didn't want him to go. And I felt so stupid at the same time, even though that God was opening this door that I was thinking I didn't want him to go. I wanted to open up my mouth and tell him, please don't go, because that's exactly what he was used to. He was used to me telling him, please don't go. And he went to the room, started packing his bags, called his family and said, come pick him up, that this was the end. And the whole time, I couldn't say a word. I was like, no, this, I said, I know this is the end, <laughs> but it, it can't be like this. I want to defend myself. And God's like, I got it. Like, you asked me to step in. You asked me to help you. I'm helping you. So at, at the very last minute, while he's, he got his bags packed, he's coming and he's hollering. He gets in my face. He flips the sofa over with me sitting on it. I'm like, no. Even still, I'm struggling mentally. I'm like, Lord, but there's nothing impossible for you. You can change this. And God keeps telling me, you asked me to help you. This is the end. This is your door. So he get, his family gets there. He starts going towards the door. He puts his hand on the door, turns to me and says, this is your fault. The family is ending because of you. He opens the door and starts walking out. And as he's walking out, he's yelling at me. He's calling me all kinds of names. And me, instead of sitting there understanding why I can't speak, no, I had the audacity to get up and follow him. And right as I was going, I, I left the house, I got out the door, and right when I went halfway past the door, I felt a hand. It was probably like three hands mine together and pushed me in my chest and it pushed me back i took a couple steps back like i almost hit the floor and that's when i was i snapped and i was like okay i understand i hear you and i went back inside my house and i screamed and i cried and i yelled and i said why and i said why me and here i am lonely again Alone again, here I am, it's just me and my daughter, there's no family, and God said, I got you.
I got you. And that's when every, what God promised me, what, what I asked God for, he did it. He did it. And I just didn't know how to take it. I didn't know how to accept it. I didn't want to be alone. But God was with me the whole entire time. And he said, don't worry, I got you. And he told me, I'm your husband now. I'm with you. And from that moment on, it was a struggle. It was so hard to get back off my on my feet um, physically and emotionally. But it was about a year where it was just me and my daughter and God. And I was at church. If you could have left me there, I would be there every single day. And I started getting in, into the worship even more. Now I'm leading worship and, and, and now I'm ministering and I'm going to other churches. I'm ministering at other churches. I got the healing that I deserved and the healing that my, my daughter needed too. Because unfortunately, she had to see the things that I suffered and went through. Mandy, can you tell us a little bit more um, about that process of healing? Um, obviously, you spent, correct me if I'm wrong, you said six years in that relationship. Mm -hmm. What did that healing look like for you specifically? And how did Jesus lead you through that? Yeah, definitely. Um, it was a lot of crying, <laughs> a lot of prayer, a lot of worship, <laughs> a lot of Christian music. <laughs> Um, and being vulnerable enough and honest enough, you know, to be able to open up to other women, especially leaders. You know, I finally opened up with my pastor and I told her what was going on and, you know, and I was able to have that one-on-one -on -one with her. And, you know, that was my healing process, right? Being vulnerable, understanding that it wasn't my fault, understanding that, um, I had to learn to love myself and forgive myself first so that, that I can accept God's forgiveness and God's love for me so that that can complete my healing, what what I was feeling, what I was going through. Um, it was a battle. It was a battle for at least about a year, almost a year of that, of understanding God's love for me, understanding that even though I made the wrong choice, God still was willing to still be there and forgive me and stand there with open arms to receive me. So that was my healing process. Again, a lot of prayer, a lot of music, a lot of worship music, and a whole lot of Jesus and a whole lot of church. And it, it was God showing me it, through Jesus, like, I have you. I have you. Like, I never let you go. I was always there. And it was him just guiding me with his with his hand and his love. It was love. It was love because that's what I was missing. That's what I was needing was love. And definitely helped with my process with healing and getting through that. 
Mindy, what, what is your relationship like with your mom today? She introduced you to the church. Well, I at least gave you mm-hmm. that recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, like you mentioned earlier, you didn't. She wasn't there, right, right. as a as a mother from the start. And so, so what's your relationship with her like today? Today is awesome. Um, it was rocky at the beginning. We had those moments where we, I wanted to sit and ask her why, right? And those conversations, instead of turning into, hey, here's what happened, it would be arguments. It would be me battling her and her battling me and her trying to get me to understand her and me trying to get to understand, I wanted her to understand me. And so we never really truly got to have those heart-to-heart conversations that I needed, right? But unfortunately, my mom suffered an accident probably about eight years ago where a slip and fall turned into her like almost losing her life because of all the operations and everything that she had to endure because of this slip and fall. And even before then, we had started to get back and we started talking. We were being cordial and we were, you know, she introduced me to the church and all of that stuff. And we were doing really good. It wasn't the mother-daughter relationship that I had wanted. And 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 my my little girl, like the little girl inside me, I've always wanted to have. Um, but we were able to sit and have conversation now. Now she's going to church. Now I'm going to the same church she's going to. So now we're having conversation. We're, 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 we're talking about God. We're talking about the Bible. I, I get to see her in action because she's a Bible scholar. Like I call her a Bible scholar, right? Um, and so like, um, I get to see her in action and, and, and the knowledge that she has. And so now it's, it's awesome. You know, unfortunately right now at the moment she is bed bound, you know, because of the situation eight years ago. Um, but I get to have her by my side. I get to go see her um, and, you know, get to share a word with her. And, and it's just awesome. It's awesome. And, and I just wish it would have started sooner. <laughs> yeah. Mandy, what, what happened with, uh, with the man from the last relationship? Um, so we, once we separated, um, we, you know, obviously got divorced. Um, he went on about his way. Um, he ended up marrying another woman, had kids with her. As far as I know and understand, he's still living the, the same life. Um, that's what's, that's what I heard. That's what I hear. I don't hear from him. You know, I, I do um, visit his family because regardless of whatever happened between me and him, his family had basically adopted my daughter. And for them, she's not a step-grandchild. That is their grandchild. And so since day one, you know, they have always been there for, for my daughter. So I do have relationship with his family. I just don't have relationship with him. And my daughter, you know, sees them and sometimes even travels, you know, with his family. Um, but besides that, don't didn't really hear much after that. Yeah. But I do, I do pray for him no matter what. And Mandy, you remarried? Yes. After that year of healing um, and getting into the word and getting into God and ministering, I was happy. Let me tell you, I was happy by myself. It was me and my daughter. I didn't need no man. I was happy. I, I was I was like, God, you say you're my husband. I'm good. I'm good. I wasn't looking for anybody. And then I won. 
one Thursday night in 2012, uh, June of 2012, I went to a youth convention, to the a youth convention that they were having in Kissimmee. And when I got there, I met up with uh, old pastors um, that I knew from Jersey. I said hello, and we hugged, and next thing I know, when I looked over to the side, there's my husband sitting there in the corner, all quiet, and I noticed him, and I asked, I was very slick about it, and I asked the pastor, uh, his wife, I said, hey, you know, can you tell me who's who, who's here, right? And she tells me, well, this is the youth. And this is the youth leader. He's like a youth pastor to us and gave me his name, Raul. And I was like, "Uh I got your name and I remember your face. And (laughs) and that Friday, I messaged him on Facebook. He made me wait till Monday. And here we are 11 years later. Wow. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Mandy, who is Jesus to you? Oh, man. He's my everything. He's my husband. He's my savior. I just, there's just not enough words for me to sit here and truly say who who Jesus is is to me. But he is definitely my savior. He is definitely my everything. And he is definitely, definitely my husband. Mandy, for people who are watching your testimony, who may be relating um, to the domestic violence, mm-hmm. right? We know that this is something that is very common. Mm-hmm not many talk about mm-hmm. and you've experienced that and mm-hmm. you were on the other side of that. So to those women who are watching right now, who are connecting with that part of your testimony and maybe are in that same place where they haven't told anybody mm-hmm. uh, and they're dealing with it at home. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, could you just give them a word of encouragement as they watch? Yeah, definitely. Um, my word is to um, always remember that, that God loves you, that you are not alone to not believe the lies of the enemy because that's what the enemy does. He fills, um, you know, he brings lies to your mind that you, that this is what you deserve. And that is not what you deserve because you are loved by God. You are loved by Jesus. And there is someone out there that is willing to sit and talk with you um, and open up, be vulnerable. That's something I wish I would have done was to open up and, and be vulnerable, to tell somebody whether somebody I knew or didn't know about the situation that I was going through. And that's the same thing that I tell anybody is open up, be vulnerable. Let someone know what you're going through. Find somebody that you can confide in, especially inside the church. You know, the times have changed, right? From when I was going through that situation to where we're at today, where divorce and domestic violence isn't taboo. So I totally, totally encourage anyone to open up and let someone know and to always remember that God loves you and that this is not what God wants for you. Amen. Mandy, any last words for the people who are watching your testimony right now? Um, God is real. God is love. It doesn't matter what you're going through. God is is always there. God has never left your side. And prayer works. I mean, 
I am I am the 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 result of of a praying mom, you know, of a praying grandmother. It doesn't matter what you've gone through, your decisions, you know, don't ever feel like you're going to be judged or shoved to the side because that's what the enemy wants us to think. That when we open up and be vulnerable, that we're going to be shoved to the side or we're going to be judged or that um, God doesn't love us. And I am here to say that God does love you that it doesn't matter what road, what journey that you're you're facing or going through, that God is willing to, to be there and wait for you on the other end. Mm. You know, it's just being being vulnerable towards God, opening up to God. Amen. Uh, Mandy, can you pray for the people who are watching right now, who are receiving your words, who are ready to be free, who are ready to choose Jesus? Could you just pray for them? Yeah, definitely. Heavenly Father, I just I just want to thank you for this moment today, God. I just want to thank you for 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 being love and, and for loving us, Lord God. And at this moment, Heavenly Father, I want to pray for those women, Lord God, or even those men, whoever's suffering through domestic violence, Lord God, that's feeling unloved, that's feeling unworthy of love, that's saying and 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 the enemy is filling their mind with words that that they that that's what they deserve. We come against those those thoughts in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord God. I pray that you would cover them with your love that you would show them, Lord God, that you are there for them, Lord God, that you are everything that they need and more. Lord God, and and I just pray, Lord God, that they would be vulnerable and, and that they would open up to someone, that, that you would bring somebody in their path, Lord God, that they can befriend and that they can open up to, Lord God. Bring that person for them, Lord God, whether they be able to speak up, Lord God, and that you can bring healing to them. Let them know that they are loved, that there's nothing impossible for you, that there's nothing that they may be going through, God, that you don't understand because you love us and you want the best for us and you have the best for us which is love grace mercy and above all else what we need salvation i thank you god and i give you glory now lord god for those chains that are being broken and for those lives that are being set free and for those hearts that are being healed in the mighty name of jesus i ask you believing these things amen and amen Hey, everybody. I hope the new testimony has blessed you, has encouraged you. Just wanted to let you know that if you are in need of help, that we have people that are ready to speak with you. So down in the description box below, in the comment section, uh, if you're watching from YouTube, if you're listening from our podcast, just look for the link that says, talk to someone who cares. Click on that, fill out the form, and somebody will get in contact with you locally. Now, this is only available to people in the U.S. right now, but we are working to get resources for our international viewers and listeners. But for right now, if you are in the U.S. and you need help, you need to talk with somebody, please fill out that form and somebody will reach out to you. God bless you, and we'll see you on the next testimony.